Fei-Fei! Fei-Fei! Some weird mail came came for Bebop Bebop! I liked it, dude. Like, I like the, the back and forth. Y'all do need to disagree more. Y'all are like, yeah, 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 yeah. There needs to be a, a riff somewhere. You need to voice your thoughts more. So, you know, I would love to see some some rub, so to speak. Hello, my friends. Welcome back to another episode of Real Folk Dudes, episode three, Dog Star Swing. Wanted to thank you guys uh, again for listening to this. We're getting a little better every every time we do an episode. And God bless you if you have been hanging in with us from the beginning. How you doing, West Coast Walker? I'm doing great, man. Last night to me felt like a Sunday night. So then to wake up and it's like, oh, the weekend is just starting. It was divine. It is so nice. I do enjoy this time of year. It's a uh, a tradition to watch the Detroit Lions lose a football game, eat a bunch of turkey, and just pass out. It's these like handful of days always just kind of bleed in together. So you really don't know what day of the week it is until you go back to work on Monday. Sure. <laughs> I'm 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 enjoying your backdrop today. Yeah, you like that? Mm-hmm. I figured I'd give you something to look at. Okay. I'm literally in my closet right now. So I just wanted to make it look as official as possible. Plus, I feel I feel like Dr. Manhattan, literally just sitting here on a little stump in the middle of nowhere. So, You and your meaningless problems. <laughs> All right, well, let's jump into it. The episode opens with Spike walking down the street with headphones on and sunglasses. And I wanted to just make a quick note of this. I don't remember Spike wearing sunglasses at any point in the anime. No, that's like, that's, I mean, it's fine. Yeah, he, he totally pulls it off. So he wears some cool looking spy glasses that are like round frames, kind of like a John Lennon look in the movie. But I don't even think he wears glasses at any point in the actual anime. But I wanted to mention that because he's worn them a couple times now and he looks really freaking awesome in them. Like it's a cool look and I'm surprised they didn't do it in the anime. But John Cho is rocking it. And even though it's not something that we saw Spike Spiegel do in the actual show, it actually feels like a very Spike Spiegel thing regardless. Also makes him look younger. Continue. Okay. So anyways, he goes to a sushi cart and he's trying to get information and he asks for the special with extra Tobiko. And he says to the man uh, working the cart, I hear the sake here on Mars is only good when it rains. And he gives him some little chopsticks and he opens them up and there's a message that just says vicious nose. Now that's, that's some ominous stuff right there. I really dug that. So what we do know is that Anna has successfully relayed a message to Spike. Yes, and I would say that the way Spike's looking at things, that's probably a note of relief. Yeah, absolutely. Because now he's not worrying about whether Vicious is or not. Now he knows. Yeah. So Spike takes notice of the branding on the sushi that says Sinshi, S-Y-N-S-H-I with a little fish graphic on it. And Spike asked the man, when he picks up his next order, I need to know whether he still does business from here or from there. And the man says, Anna said there would be no trouble. And he says, no, no, no trouble, just information. And the guy says, stay in the city, I'll find you. 
which ends up becoming more of a difficult test for Spike than he realized to stay in Tharsis. Is that what I think it was called? Tharsis to stay in Tharsis because Jet is bound and determined to get off that piece of junk city as possible, as soon as possible. One of the things he appeals to when saying that to Spike is reminding him that he also does not like Tharsis. Yes, correct. (laughs) So after this scene, they go straight into the opening credits. Nothing really. I mean, you're wrong. Sorry. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Some of our viewers think we agree too much. I'm sure there will be disagreements at some point. If Walker's ever wrong about something. Uh, So anyways, man, the opening credits, they're awesome. Even when I do rewatches, I still watch them. I can watch it again. Like, I'm never going to skip it. I'm sorry. It's an extra minute both times I watch it, and I'm going to watch it every single time. Well, and they kind of incentivize it a bit. They come into the credits at a different point in the song, which I yeah. thought was super just brilliant to do that. Like, yeah, What cool. a very simple, brilliant way to spice up your already great credits. Agreed. Agreed. So the show begins with a walking Sally doll commercial which I guess at this point, this thing is like the Tickle Me Elmo of 2071. Every kid's got to have it. Uh, and I made that the same. Include... Unfortunately, I made the exact same connection. Yeah, exactly. So it's uh, 10,000 Wulongs, and <laughs> Jet sees the commercial and says, this doll is mocking me. There's 70 toy stores on Tharsa City. They can't find one doll in 70 stores. The supply chain is bad yeah so jet's daughter kimmy it's her birthday and she really wants this doll uh we know this actually going all the way back to episode one and i'm glad that they kept it rolling it seemed arbitrary at the time but i guess it pays off here and there's going to be something else that pays off later which we'll get into when we get to it but i am glad to see them following through with that so spike's going to be trying to keep jet on tharsis city the entire episode and jet's already ready to leave he's like there's Not one doll in this entire city. Let's leave. And Spike says, well, uh, you could try to find one in the black market. No. Well, you could sell your arm. No. Well, there's a bounty for 15 million Wulong. And he's like, okay, for this, I'll stick around. And Jet sees a picture uh, from the security footage as they're looking at it. And he decides that he needs to enlist the help of his good friend, Woodcock. Just uh, (laughs) just your average... uh predatorial geriatric yeah so they call her on a really cool projector thing kind of gave you like uh i don't know like star wars vibes Mm -hmm. the way like the emperor would talk to the siths and stuff like that and uh she really is thirsty she's a thirsty gal and she wants some and she's literally she's literally thirsty for uh chianti so another nice uh allusion to silence of the lambs (laughs) Yeah, yeah, we're back on that again. Uh, so she says, uh, she uses the phrase creamy chocolate milk standing in my eyeline. I, I like that line. And mm-hmm. they said, she says, you know that you, why they used to call him the black dog, don't you? Which Spike was all for it. And Jet got a little shy here and kind of, you know, tempered it down. But eventually she agreed to give Jet the raw footage in exchange for a potential dinner date with a bottle or two of of Chianti. Mm-hmm. She did mention to them that all of the victims were from Earth straight off the escape pods. Right. 
So Spike and Jet now have the raw footage and they sit around the couch looking like Keenan and Kel with Coolio. And <laughs> they're looking at the raw footage and they learn that Spike can actually read lips. And he reads the, the man's lips as he says, He is. I'm going to make your little girl pay for what you rich assholes did to me and my family. They learned that. And then Jet actually makes note that there's a scar on the man's hand, which apparently is supposed to be indicative that he used some sort of face changer. And I was really uncure, un, unclear about how a scar on the hand indicates that they're using a face changer. Yeah, I don't know if it's uh, it was just a simple tell that they were trying to convey just to let yeah. you know that maybe if you see that again later in the show, you'll, you'll know and, and, with and maybe, less information. Yeah, and maybe with in future episodes, they'll be able to elaborate on that a little bit more because they have elaborated on other things that didn't really make a lot of sense. But someone has a scar on their hand means they used a face changer doesn't make much sense to me. But maybe I missed something. I don't know. Spike was a, a, a really good lip reader. Super um, good. Because that was some mm -hmm. great ass footage. Yeah. So Spike tells him that he's using a face changer and that the face changer is essentially obsolete tech used by hookers now. If you want a blonde and you've got a brunette, bingo, you can change it and make it work. And he digs through his old things and he finds a frequency scrambler that was invented by Doc Holliday. So the plan is to use the frequency scrambler, forcing him to go back to the brothel where he where he had it, you know, I guess where he initially got it, where they mm -hmm. could fix it for him. And they would meet him at the brothel to catch him. And there are two low rent brothels in Tharsis, Betty's Boop and Betty's Bottom. <laughs> That's right. You know, it sounds corny, but I mean, how many, I'm, I'm sure there's not going to be any brothels on any city, like literal or fiction that's going to sound classy or cool. Like Betty's Boop and Betty's Bottom is about as good as anything else. On brand jet, not really familiar with the the brothel scene yeah. spike uh more Very, familiar with the brothel yeah. scene yeah he even had a favorite even wish that jet had used that earlier in his pitch <laughs> <laughs> would have got his attention quicker so. brothels and noodles really get spike going and being mm -hmm. a stepdad so we see two out the, of three ain't bad yeah yeah you gotta start somewhere so you see the killer's face start to malfunction if you will as he's pumping gas and a woman recognizes him and he quickly jumps in his van and drives away. Spike and Jet are talking on some sort of earbud and they're talking about Jet's old partner Chalmers from the ISSP. And he says that they were like brothers and they saved each other's lives once or twice. And he says, homicide is a brotherhood. And Spike says, brotherhood, he set you up and robbed you of five years. Yeah, Spike looking at the note that says Vicious knows as he's yeah. saying that. Yeah. Basically, uh, don't harness all your hopes on loyalty. So, yeah, as he's looking at that same note, he says, you ever think of putting a bullet in a guy like that? And we don't really get an Well, <laughs> right before he's describing Chalmers, and this is one of my favorite jet lines, where he's talking about how he's so happy. And the the simile he uses is it's like he had a stroke or something <laughs> which is a I, that's a very nice uh, cynical view yeah so i thought that was, i got a kick out of that 
so you see a blue car pull up to Jet, and it is Bernicio, the black market Santa, the pimp mm-hmm. of playthings, and the man with the bag. And he has a walking Sally doll for a reasonable 35,000 woolongs. And this scene really reminded me a lot of, and I'm sure you're going to be right there with me, of old Arnold Schwarzenegger on uh, uh, Jingle All the Way. You know what you are, a bunch of sleazy conmen in red suits. <laughs> I expected him to pick up the doll and the head to just pop off or like start speaking in Spanish or something. He taught Anakin everything he knows. <laughs> All right. So we cut back to the inside of the brothel and the criminal has come in to the bar where Spike is and he looks at the bartender and he says, where's Betty? The shit face changer is broken. Spike sees and hears the exchange and the bartender says, she's in the office, Hakeem. Spike notices a scar on his hand and he pulls a gun on him. He says, we can do this the easy way or the fun way. And we all knew it was going to be the fun way. It's going to be the fun way. Hakeem grabs a guy, uh, grabs a hold of him and throws him towards Spike, knocking the gun out of Spike's hand. And Spike kind of grins as he picks up his gun and says, fun way it is. He chases him through the bar and up the stairs to the roof of the building. And then a really cool martial arts sequence plays out. Awesome. Awesome. And these two. Rooftop standoff. Yeah, these two men fight in the anime. I don't think it was on a rooftop, but it was also a really cool martial arts Mm -hmm. standoff. And I loved like the slow motion water dripping right before. They started mm-hmm. doing the hand-to-hand combat and they're just chewing scenery, just like getting all of the scaffolds and everything involved and just yeah, being the well, hell out of each other. And you love uh, Spike. You see where Spike's a move ahead. So he sees the water leave the drop and then looks at Hakeem knowing or banking on when that water drop hits the ground, his eyes will shift to it at the sound. So Spike's yeah. a split second ahead of him yeah. and moves. And when he bites on it, when the water hits and he blinks, Spike goes. Spike's yeah. always about the time. Very, very cool. Yeah. Well, and there was another episode in the anime where he was teaching a kid how to fight. And he said, you know, fighting is like, like being water. So, I mean, it's kind of cool Bruce to play Lee. back on the water thing again. Yeah. So now Jet knows what's going on. He can hear Spike in his headphone and he's trying frantically to get to Spike as soon as possible. And he starts taking off down the alley. And he trips, gets knocked over, drops the doll, and he gets run over by, I think it was a motorcycle. So already at this point, the, the, sure. doll looks, the doll looks terrible. But it's still bigger than a doll at this point. So he picks it up and he's carrying this dirty, wet, soggy, gross-looking doll that's already been run over and flattened. We cut back to Spike and Hakeem. They're continuing to fight. Jet's getting closer and closer. He's climbing the stairs. And... At some point on the way up the building, his the doll actually catches on fire. I don't know if someone had a flaming drink or was lighting a cigarette. It happened really quickly. But at some point, the doll catches on fire for a split second. I may have missed that, but... Yeah. It's not really relevant other than to the fact to just really reiterate that by the time that this doll was ready to go, it, but at the end of all of this, the doll looked like crap. So Jet finally makes it to the top of the roof. And actually, it's a detriment to Spike because he distracts Spike for the split second, similar to the way the fight scene started with Hakeem being distracted. Now Spike's being distracted. Mm -hmm. Hakeem takes advantage and he kicks Spike in the chest and he flies back against a piece of particle board that had neon stuff to it. And he's falling 
you know, upside down. And Jet actually, once again, you know, is an athlete and makes his way charging over and grabs Spike by the foot as the doll falls over the building. Yeah, very much a Sinbad and first kid, I would say. Yeah, a good call. So now you have a dirty, disgusting-looking doll on the ground instead of a rose, which I just thought was an interesting little play there. Which makes me – now we're going to this, this new segment that I thought we could start doing from here on. Every oh, episode, there's Every episode, there's a thing that happens that Spike does that's just, that's just so Spike. Kind of that's so Raven. That is so Spike. So Spike is casually hanging upside down, being held by one foot. And he pulls his lighter out and lights up a cigarette. Yeah, he has, he has a lot of hobbies. And as he's hanging there, they zoom out and you see what he's, what he's hanging on. And he's literally just right between these giant boobs. Yeah. You know, there are a couple things that were up for debate as to that is so Spike. And if this wasn't in there, in there it would be a lot more difficult but this is the most Spike Spiegel thing I could ever imagine. They didn't make it very hard for you, this one. Yeah. So just now moving forward, this is going to be a thing, Walker. So buckle up. Smoke, smoke, fey, fey. <laughs> so while he's hanging upside down, he, he recognizes the neon sign that says Sinchi. Uh, then we cut back to Vicious. And you know what? We were right. It is some sort of a meat locker. Well, you know, he just, uh, he was so pacifist in the last episode. Mm-hmm. You know, his gun wasn't loaded. He wasn't, he wasn't man enough to argue with his girlfriend. You got some making up need- there. So he is in some sort of a slaughterhouse meat locker thing. And he says to one of his employees, syndicate helpers, I don't know what you would say, pick up a box of gold dusted chocolates Julia likes and have Julie bring them to the penthouse. And they ask him, are we really shutting it down? And he says, it's temporary. So then they open a secret door. And this scene really was very strange to me. And I'm hoping maybe you can shed some light on it. Maybe you have some ideas. So they open the door and you see like a a bunch of naked men and women that appear to be blind. I'm not sure. And they're all, I'm assuming they're making red eye. You know, I just see the scene and like Amigos type beat just went off in my head. (laughs) Now. So they say, what about them? And in a surprising turn of events, he says, put them in a nice hotel and feed them well. And they say, really? And he basically says, no, I'm just kidding. He says, no, you brainless fleck of mediocrity. And he opens fire and they just just light them all up. And you have a bunch of just naked dead bodies. So were all those people blind? I mean, did you I mean, it, it looked like yeah. they all like they're all their eyes were like closed and something was I don't know. Do you yeah, think that I get something where you have to like extract something from your eyes to make it or? No, it's just so they don't know the location. OK, OK. Pretty brutal. No kidding. man. But it would be very difficult to work if you can't see, but I guess I figured it out. Well, if you only have one job, I guess you can just you just feel it out. And I mean if you mess up and if you mess up, you get fired immediately. Yeah. Well, they're getting ready to have to train like two dozen new employees all at once. Yeah. You can't find good help these days. (laughs) In the middle of a work shortage, 
So we cut back to Anna's club and Julia is on stage singing. I don't, I think it's either before or after hours. And Anna says, you were the best I ever had up there. And Julia says, that's a stretch. She says, Sapphire Steve Stefinski was the best that ever played, but he used his trombone and he had skilled lips. And then the two pretty much just acknowledged that everyone knew that Sapphire Steve was intimate with Anna. Good for you, Anna. Julia talks to Anna about Vicious in private, and Anna is very perceptive here and mentions that she's wearing a collar. And once they get into a private location, she peels it back and reveals right. that there's bruising from her double choke slam. Right. Did you have any any thoughts on this particular scene? No, I I would hope that she wasn't singing after hours. I guess maybe if she hadn't sang in a while and she was auditioning or something like that, possibly. Like, oh, maybe it's, I need to go back to like work. Maybe, maybe my relationship it, isn't as stable as I thought. No, she sounded great. It was, uh, it, you know, they, they alluded to it last episode with Spike gazing at the picture of her singing. So yeah. that was just, a, I, that was just a, a way to, you know, show an attractive quality about Julia. So, so Julia, she sees the bottle of Kudo and she says, drinking Kudo again? And Anna says, I was feeling nostalgic. I'm just glad to bring Kudo back up again because mm -hmm. it makes it feel even more worthwhile that they mentioned it to begin with, like that they did. It wasn't just like a, a one-off thing that we're going to mention one time and then just let that be that. Uh, clearly, maybe, maybe the Netflix vehicle was just a pretext to sell this new bat brand of alcohol. Well, I'm going to buy some Kudo when I get the chance. Who wouldn't want that super dope pyramid bottle on their bar? So Anna basically gives the advice to Julia to start, just take the power herself. And I really dug that because Anna really has done that herself. She has mm -hmm. built, it looks like a little empire here and it seems like no one can touch her. She has the, the ears to the streets and she has the power. Uh, I don't know that Julia is necessarily in a position right now to really do anything like that uh, or if she even would. But I do like Anna trying to be a friend and a mentor and kind of a motherly figure here. Would, would Vicious like that she met with Anna? I'm going to say no. I'm going to say no, he would not. You don't think he could find out, do you? <laughs> I don't know. We'll find out. Huh. Continue. <laughs> okay. So we see Jet on the phone with a store. And he has successfully found a place that has a walking salad doll. Unfortunately, it's 10,000 Wulongs and he has 9,000 and Spike has seven. Not 700, not 7,000. Spike has seven Wulongs, which has got to be like having 50 cents. Now we cut to Hakeem with his bunch of dogs, bunch of dogs. And he's got his gun cocked and it's like, oh man, he's going to light up these dogs. And PETA is not going to like this episode at all but we cut away from him before we see anything. We go to Spike and Jet getting scolded by the person who runs the brothel over their damages. So now it looks like whatever money they get, they're gonna end up still owing because that's what Spike and Jet always do. Whatever they cash in, they still have to pay a bunch of debts and they break even. Jet confused by the lingo. I thought that was fun. And then Spike said something. He was like, you white bean, you're so uncultured. <laughs> so Jet tells Spike that he wouldn't put a bullet in Chalmers. He says, quote, no. 
he'd be too quick and painless for that asshole. I'd pull him into a dark alley and put a metal fist right into his smiley fucking face, make him go through that, go through the rest of his miserable life with the face that matches that miserable sense of brotherhood. But I'm not bitter. I love that line, Walker. I thought that was sick. That was the most raw, unfiltered, pissed off, just been through it version of Jet that we've heard. And I really enjoyed it. That's up there with anything he said in the anime for me. And he still wouldn't want to kill him, though. Because he's a black dog, man. He still has a code. No, that was cool. Um, Spike's projecting there a little bit. You know, he probably just, from what he's gleaning, could see some parallels. Oh, definitely. Oh, I know a guy like that. It's like, no, Chalmers is might be a smug asshole, but uh, you're the one you're talking about is a little different. (laughs) Yeah. So Spike notices the sushi stand, and he says, "I'll be right back." And he approaches the man at the sushi stand, and the man tells him that Vicious is there, and Spike requests a package to be delivered, and he says it'll be on the top of the thirteenth silo, and he asks him do you really want to sacrifice your life for an eel? And Spike in a super Spike line says, it's between me and the eel. Yeah. And then he says, what can I get for seven woo? And he cuts off That's this right. tiny little, little, little shrimp, like this little sliver of nothing. It was awesome. Yeah. Almost made it to that is so Spike, but unfortunately he was hanging between boobs today. So maybe next time. Then we cut to probably my favorite, definitely my favorite scene in, in the, the episode. Spike and Jet in the sex dungeon kink place. There they meet a woman named Mistress. Ah, this is where this is where he said the thing to Jet about being in culture. My bad. Sorry. She's wearing all leather and chains, and she's got her hair up. And she has a, I guess it would be like a Russian accent. Uh, yeah, some kind of some kind of Slavic tongue. Yeah. She says, I'm already late for my midnight bukkake. I still have two horny frat boys waiting to be tied up like baby calves on the rodeo. What I has the biggest LOL at this. Does Woodcock own this place? That's what I want. <laughs> this is the horniest episode we've listened to. We've, we've watched so far, but I'm it here. It makes me, it makes me miss Faye even more. So, <laughs> so she knows Hakeem and she calls him a cheap bastard. He only pays for a lab dance. Ah, from Italian teas and the Alabama Anaconda but he never pays extra, cheap bastard. And Spike's like, oh, I can't, I hate when they don't spring for that. She thinks that Hakeem is rich because he has a bunch of dogs. Now, I went back and watched the anime episode where we meet Ayn. The dogs are basically worthless. The right. kid that steals Ayn t- takes it to a pet shop and the lady says she'll give him two oolongs for it. Right, right. And that, that yeah, just to because it's a it's a sign of status and you know that you oh you can afford a dog, but in the anime they were basically worthless. I'm not saying one's better or worse, but I did think that was interesting that it was completely different. So Mistress says to to Spike, "Are you a cheap bastard?" And Spike says, "Not by choice, Miss." Got another got another laugh out loud, buddy. Yeah, I mean my that that pulled at my heart a little bit there. So Jet makes the connection that Hakeem has only been murdering, murdering people with dogs. And right now it's, it's up to 12 people so far. And they think about it and they realize that Hakeem works at Atmo Farms. I think actually Mistress may have said, oh, yeah, he works at Atmo Farms. I can't remember exactly mm-hmm. how they found that out. Mm-hmm. So they go to the only Atmo Farm that isn't active. 
and they see a Welsh Corgi, and we've seen him before. That's right. So, corgis in space. What is that? They were just like, huh? <laughs> when was the last time we saw a dog? Mm. So the dog basically motions for them to follow, and Spike's like, I think, I think this dog wants us to follow it. So they, they follow the dog, and the dog leads them to Hakeem, and Hakeem is playing with the dogs. It's actually kind of sweet. He reveals that his initial plan was actually to kill all these dogs, but he couldn't bring himself to do it. He tells them that his family has worked for the rich people, and when they were escaping Earth, they filled the escape pods with their dogs and left his parents to die. So when he was able, when he got the opportunity, he wanted to kill the dogs to take away the thing that they loved. But he said, quote, I couldn't even do that right. Honestly, pretty, pretty touching moment, to be honest. Yeah. He says the dogs. Yeah, this is dogs. a. Oh, go ahead. This is the third type of bad guy they've given us. So we talk about the romantic on the run bad guys. We talk about the childlike clownish genius and then now we get to kind of the the misguided uh sad and you yes, know obviously you're gonna, have, you're gonna have yeah. a yeah because he's gonna i mean he he's a walking identity issue with yeah. what the thing that power that his main power is also the thing that kind of doesn't really give him any kind of solid footing mm-hmm. So he has a really good quote that'll come back again later. And he says, they're just dogs. It's like being mad at water for being wet. Yeah, he says, they don't, they, yeah, he says, they don't deserve to die, but I do. And he takes the gun and he points it to his chin. I honestly thought he was going to blow his brains out right there. When I was watching the episode, mm-hmm. I, thought, I thought that's how it's going to end. They're not going to get their bounty because he's going to kill himself right here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, Spike and Jet talk him out of it. And kind of a weird way to talk them out of it. They're like, oh, no, you're not worthless. Your bounty's worth a lot of money. Which props to Hakeem for being like, well, I guess if my life is over one way or the other, I might as well let you guys make a bunch of money off of me. He seemed like a pretty kind guy at heart. Yeah. And I guess they were trying to, to lay that in. And I mean, that was kind of what an what an interesting outlook. So no, I, yeah. thought that was, I thought that was funny and how Spike and Jet almost tapped into that almost in a comedic way. Mm -hmm. So it looks like Spike and Jet are finally going to get their bounty. But then they don't. Mm -mm. Hakeem takes a bullet right to the head. Spike and Jet turn around, and it's the ISSP. What are they doing there? Yeah. So clearly they killed Hakeem because they didn't want to pay the bounty. And Spike was very upset. I mean, like, Probably the most worked up we've seen Spike to this point. I mean, like he's mm-hmm. mad and he's usually cool as a cucumber, but he is mm-hmm. so close to having this big bounty. But Jet actually being the more calculated of the two was pretty cool about it. He was like, hey, Spike, chill. We got something better here. No, I thought the that next... was really cool of Jet. Because, you, oh, yeah. you know, for they kind of switch roles there where Jet was the cool one in, in that moment. True. Yeah. So the next scene is that Jet's old house, I would presume, or at least a house where his child lives. Someone used to live there. That's either Chalmers' house or Jet's old house. I, I think it, from his conversation with Spike, it made it sound like that's his. It, that was Jet's old house. Yeah, that's that's the way I was picturing it, but I could be wrong. So you see uh, Jet get off of his bike, and he's got a colorful birthday box. 
It's a really sweet scene. You see a ragged and tired, dirty, exhausted jet walking through a peaceful, calm, welcoming family home. And then you see Kimmy, his daughter, and he says, Bean. And finally, the whole Bean thing makes sense. We get it now. Oh, my gosh. We get it Okay. I thought that was the most random thing. I was like, oh. When when he said Bean, I was like, okay. These guys haven't lost their freaking mind. Okay. It makes sense. It's still a bad password. The problem isn't as much that it's Bean now. It's the fact that you just left it wide open. But I digress. Spike is on the 13th silo with a sniper rifle with Vicious in his crosshairs. They do a really cool job of bouncing back and forth here to really build the tension between the two scenes. Um, One is more life or death, but the other one has also been building since episode one, so it's not like it's not important to us. We cut back to Jet and his daughter, and she sees the tag on the dog that says Ein. E-I-N, Ein. Jet's ex, Elisa, walks in. Then we cut back to Spike calling Vicious. And Vicious is visibly shook. He's going to try to play it cool in a minute, but when that when that phone call comes through and it's Spike, he's he's visibly taken aback by it. Yeah. So Elisa hates the dog idea. She mentions that the taxes are too high because apparently dogs are very expensive in this universe, this version of the Cowboy Bebop universe. And she says, "I thought that was, yeah, that's a I, I thought that was a very uh, random excuse. Like could have done a better one. I thought, yeah." And heartbreaking for the poor girl. But anyways. Totally. Back to Vicious. And he says, so this is what a dead man sounds like. And Spike says, and I'm giving you a chance to keep it that way. Yeah, that was awesome. He said he had planned to kill him for for trying to kill him. (laughs) How do you say? I'm trying to make that not sound weird. He said he had planned on killing him because Vicious had tried to kill him but he had a change of heart. And then he brought the quote back that I thought was really cool. It's like being mad at water for being wet. And then Vicious says something where he calls Spike his brother. And it just, I just took the note here. You don't think. They're not going to make, these two aren't going to be literal brothers, are they? Is there any chance of that? I uh, hope not. <laughs> well, I mean, in a way, they're retconning it if they do, but the anime never said they weren't brothers. Yeah, I think I wish I wish the people that are listening could see your eye roll as I say that to you. <laughs> okay, what percentage uh, chance is it that Spike and Vicious, I'm sorry, Fearless and Vicious are brothers, like literal brothers? I would say like um probably like a I'll, I'll give it like 15%. I'm just messing with you Walker. I, I really hope that they don't do that. I'd be as disappointed as you if they did that i'd probably say something negative about star wars if that happened (laughs) okay (laughs) careful what you say what is it obi-wan says the ability to speak does not make one intelligent walker so chalmers walks in and basically insinuates correctly i'll add that the dog was stolen and jet's like what are you trying to say and Elisa shuts it down. She is not wanting this altercation to happen in her home. Understandably, these are two grown adults. And she tells Jet to take the dog with him. So he's taking the walk of shame out of his ex's home. And Kimmy cuts him off 
and says that she wants to see I'm sometime. Can she call and speak with I'm? To which Jet says, of course, you know, yes. And at that point, he's got no choice. <laughs> he and that dog are, are tied at the hip. There's nothing they can do about that. A little different background for why they would get Ayn than the anime, but I didn't really have a problem with it. Well, I would imagine Ayn's still a genius just because they kept the name. Yeah, well, and Ayn was, Ayn was smart enough to, to lead them to Hakim. So like, clearly already showing like one little thing to show that it's an intelligent mm-hmm. dog. That's a good point. So we cut back to Spike and Jet talking smack, and Spike reveals that he sees Vicious. He says, see, you got yourself a new set of wheels. You still hiding behind bulletproof glass? Spike takes the shot, and it goes straight into that that uh, window, and a little piece of glass comes off and scrapes Vicious in the, the cheek, in the side of the mm-hmm. face. And he's more than than shook up at this point. He's He's scared and mad all at the same time and he says oh he's on the silo and you see spike walking away with it was the equivalent of james bond music as he slow motion walks away from the Mm -hmm. sniper rifle i don't even think he he just left it there and it's like all right well it's done and that is the end of the episode yep do you want to tell me well, well we'll get there do you want to tell me your mvp faye valentine Okay, well, I'm not even going to ask you to elaborate that one because we'll get back to that because clearly you're not a fan. So my MVP was Spike. He had the cool the cool fight scene. He had the really cool dialogue with Vicious. And I felt like most of my favorite scenes did involve Spike in this episode. But it wasn't as clear cut as last episode, in my opinion, when Jet was by far the MVP. <clears throat> I also love the mistress. I love that she was vulgar and hilarious. The Midnight Bukaki cracked me up. I love that they slid that into some anime or into a Netflix show. Love the way she said hooned. His hooned. And I also love that she was spanking that gentleman while she was talking to Spike and Jet. This is a new wrinkle they've kind of added because before it, it in the anime, it felt like Spike was probably getting more attention from women. But in this one, they cast an actual like supermodel as Jet, so he's going to be getting hit on the whole the whole series. He's he, really hot. He, he's a good looking guy. So we still have no Faye in this episode. Is that starting to become a problem for you? As long as she comes back next episode, I saw when the episode ended, I saw a still with her in it. So I mean, I think they weren't trying to hide that. I mean, you had um, Mistress. Why do you need Faye? They did. If they wanted me to miss Faye, there you go. The hooned! The hooned! Uh, uh. Yeah, she, uh, I mean, has she been like, she, does she like ghostwrite for Kanye? That's like blackmail. <laughs> but that's like, <laughs> can I, you'd be like, can I use that? You need Jesus, but can I use that line? We still saw Julia. Again, I disliked her less this episode than the last one. She she was more sympathetic to me here, and it's odd that she would be more sympathetic in this episode than the one where she got choke slammed. No, it was uh, we got to see her doing what she's great at. She's singing, and we we see there's some hope for her because we're like, okay, she has a relationship with Anna. She's able to tell Anna these things. Anna there's has a, power an and, yeah. and stroke. 
she's not completely alone, which is good considering, you know, who she's, who she's living with. Yeah. I thought this was another good episode for Jet. Uh, I was glad that the password bean finally makes sense because that was going to bother me so much. This is the stupidest thing, but I'm glad that that got that loose end got tied up. The whole doll arc is over. We don't have to hear any more about the doll, but I'm glad that they, if they were going to start it, I'm glad they finished it. And that's pretty much all I have on this episode. The next episode is called Callisto Soul. And I'm assuming it's a heavy Faye episode. Do you think it'll be a backstory Faye episode? Like mostly, mostly oh, God. Like, like the way they did it in the anime? I didn't even think about that. But if so, I'm, I don't know if I'm ready for that. Her backstory's tough. Well, I mean, who knows I mean, if, they they'll even, if they'll even do it the same with yeah. the anime. Yeah, it's hard to say. I kind of hope they do. I almost don't want to relive that. <laughs> Well, I'm just, I'm curious though. I mean, you've already introduced her the first time. So that initial bang of seeing her on screen is, is gone, but she hasn't had many lines. She hasn't really had a lot of screen time in general. We don't know her backstory in this particular version of the, of the story. So we'll see how they handle it. Yeah. I mean, we're definitely getting to the point where the, they need to be in the kind of in the pocket of the show. We're hoping by, you know, episode four or five, where they're at least three quarters of the way together as a unit. Yeah. Yeah. Ed, we'll see. If, if Ed's only two or three episodes, that's not, you know, I, I think Ed would probably need more than one episode to be fair, but two, three episodes I could, I could see. And then Faye, Faye needs to be back the rest of the time if she comes back next episode. Yeah. I would hope that if we, the next time we see her, however, the episode ends, it ends with her being essentially part of the bebop crew at that point. You know, they showed in the first episode that her life circumstances weren't bad enough just yet that she would partner up with guys like that. Yeah. Um, they need to be just you gotta be real desperate to want to be with these guys. Well, true, but uh, I guess she probably, in the oddest of circumstances, learned that there's worse guys to be on the same ship with while you're chained to a toilet. Yeah, true. And now they got a dog, too. Right. Things are really looking up. So, All right. Well, we'll check out the next episode. <laughs> we'll try to get back together and uh, discuss it. Uh, hope you had a good Thanksgiving. Yeah, man. It was uh, – what about you? Yeah, it was great. It was great. Um, actually, the boy's been sick, so we didn't get to go anywhere, oh, honestly. <laughs> yeah, he's had a really bad ear infection, so uh, shout out John Harley. Hope you get get well. He's been getting shots of antibiotics last couple of days, but he's he's a lot better than he was a couple of days ago. But it was just not worth the headache of taking him out. You know, he would have been too tired to really interact with everybody who wants to squeeze him and kiss him, so we just kept him home, and it felt like an extra year of covid thanksgiving yeah uh no it's it definitely doesn't feel quite quite normal again but shout out to jc for hosting <laughs> me and having me over at her house that was uh i really appreciated that you gave me i was very grateful to have somewhere to be oh heck yeah man all right west coast walker i guess uh we will meet back again and talk about the next episode see you later space cowboy bang
I know it's sanitary to be in your birthday suits, but I, I would say if you're going to do that, they should probably have masks on too. Yeah, that's true. And it would explain why my last batch of red eye had a pube in it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So Did you put the asked... chili powder in like I told you to? <laughs> he always gets away with it. <laughs> 